Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So, you know that episode of Family Guy where, like, the power goes out or whatever, and the two newscasters are just, like, sitting there, like dicking around doing all the crazy shit and like the power comes back on and the dude tom tucker is like paddling the chick you remember that episode yeah is that is that gonna be us now i mean i just feel like i've like seen twitter the last few days and like this is just not a good time to have a hurricanes podcast yeah whatever anyway my name is brandon that's alex uh matt is sick tonight (laughs) feel better matt you know shout out to matt um shout out matt (laughs) coming right away with that uh that cringeworthy <laughs> opening and show you know don't have our creative side here so you know forgive us today but uh <laughs> matt only comes up with the intro it's just yeah you know, uh, I, don't have the, <laughs> I don't have the energy to do so right now but anyway we are the tracking the storm podcast thank you guys for joining us um obviously it's been a very very busy week since we last spoke and we've got a lot to talk about before we jump into anything else, here's a quick word from DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. The very first thing that we should probably speak about before we get into some of the maybe angrier, sadder, uglier stuff is the NHL draft was last weekend. The Hurricanes made an NHL record tying 13 picks on Friday and Saturday nights. Um, And some of them are very interesting looking. Um, So that's where we're going to start. We do have somebody coming on the show next week that is going to, it's going to be a very prospect centric podcast. We're not going to spend too much time here, but um, I I do just kind of want to get your general thoughts on the class and maybe talk about a couple of players that uh, you're really excited about Alex. Well, I mean, right off the bat, you got to give full props to uh, Darren York and Eric Tulski. You've just done obviously a phenomenal job with the Hurricanes' as amateur scouting department over the past, I'd say at least three seasons where, you know, they've made 33 picks in the last three years. Uh, It's 11 picks per year. Um, So, you know, you bring in, a, a very large handful of teenagers and 
the common theme with every pick they make is these guys are all upside players. Uh, they don't really they don't really make the safe picks that Ron Francis used to make. All the guys they swing for are literally whoever is the top player on their board, um, regardless of the position, regardless of what they need, regardless of their size. Uh, they just take the best player, uh, the player who has the highest ceiling. And, you know, that's how you build a very – a very strong prospect group, which the Hurricanes are now, you know, obviously one of the best and deepest groups in the league. And, you know, that's how you, that's how you really sustain long-term success. Uh, so I think they did a really good job. Um, obviously with their 13 picks, they didn't really get, you know, an elite prospect per se. They traded out of the first round, but, you know, as they said, um, they didn't really love any player there. And they felt that if they traded back, they could add another pick and, you know, get a couple more guys that they like that they've kind of felt were on the same skill level as the guy they would have took in the first round. So I think a little too much stock goes into, you know, first round pick, second round pick. At that stage of the draft, it was kind of a crapshoot. The board was all out of whack. So you trade back and you get two guys instead of one. Um, I guess as far as one guy I'm very excited about, hmm, Aiden Reeschuk in the second, in the third round, I think it was a third round pick. Actually the pick they got uh, from Nadelkovich from that trade. So, you know, the, the real, like the expectations here might be way out of whack. Um, and, you know, this kid might have a bit of a tough rep in the Hurricanes as fan base. You know, obviously fans weren't happy to see Nadelkovich go. And um, that, that's obviously going to put higher expectations on this kid, but which is kind of unfair to him. But I mean, like he's a very talented player, a great puck mover, fits the Hurricanes' system. Um, even as an undersized guy, he defends well, really knows how to, how to got, like control his gaps. Um, and like, like I said, um, I think he's got, got kind of got a, a great skill set that filled that like kind of fills what the Hurricanes look for uh, from the back end. You know, he can he's not overly physical. He's not overly dynamic at anything, but he's a guy that can really develop into a solid four or five defenseman, I think, um, with upside on both special teams units. So he's definitely one guy that um, that I'm excited to see how he develops. And I think there's really high upside there. Yeah, Um and we kind of said that we're not going to go too deep into this. Alex actually has an article out on the hockey writers right now um, that breaks down every single player. And we are actually in the middle of putting together our collaboration for the prospect rankings for the 2021, 22 season, which uh, we're really excited to be getting that out to you guys in the next couple of days, but um, so make sure you check that out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, you know, I just kind of want to go back to what you were saying a minute ago and no, they didn't really add a top prospect in this class. Like, you know, our, our top guy, and you have him a lot higher than I would have, <laughs> but in, in our collaboration right now, it's number eight in the pool. But that also speaks to how deep the Hurricanes pool is right now. And even if they had stayed in the first round, I'm not sure they get a player that, you know, at the time I was like, oh, they could have picked Olison, or, you know, there's a few guys on the board that I would have been really happy with. But, um, yeah. I think Zach Dean was there too, or did yeah, he go? He was. Yeah, was that, that one hurt a little. Yeah, that one was a little annoying. Still, the Hurricanes got a lot of guys that they're very boomer bust prospects. That's really the best way to put it. You know, Scott Morrow, even the Hurricanes' top pick, like if he hits, he's got a lot of offensive potential. But even at his ceiling, I'm not sure he's very good defensively. Yeah, and you know, Haima Salmi, I know you're high on him, and, and I love the skating. I love the frame, like. Well, he's not a big guy, but there's, he's so raw. <laughs> he's got so many yeah. things he's going to have to work on if he's going to reach the NHL at all. Like, I like the base. I, I like the, the swings these guys are 
or the Hurricanes are taking on these guys. Um, and, and the only guy that I really want to talk about that much is Koivinen. Um, Billy Koivinen, the second-round pick, one of the three second-round picks the Hurricanes made. Um, that's, that's, that's a sleeper right there. That kid has torn up the U-20 uh, finish league. He's got a goal-scoring ability. He's a good playmaker. He's got great hands. He's not a great skater, but I think he's got the hockey sense that can carry him to the NHL anyway. That's a pick that may turn into a – I'm not going to compare him to another second-round pick the Hurricanes made from Finland a few years ago. But Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he's really talented. So that's that's probably the player I'm most excited about from this class. Yeah, it's, it's hard to fault you there. Um, I, I do think with this class, though, it's definitely going to be a long-term thing. We're not really going to know. Like, I would be shocked if any of these players um, – pull on a hurricanes jersey until probably five years down the road like this this is a class that is definitely no it's definitely for the long term they took a lot of projects a lot of guys you can develop but your prospect group is kind of at a stage now where you can afford to take these longer term guys and see if you can mold them into a player with some good long-term development yeah absolutely and i mean (laughs) this is what we i said the other day when when i started on this preliminary list we were going to do there's like over 30 players we were that at least deserved consideration for this top yeah. 20 for this oh, top, yeah. top 20 list we put together. Like the Hurricanes system is ridiculously deep right now and you're you can afford to kind of take some long-term project swings like that. But it, to your point, I don't think any of these guys are even going to knock on the door anytime soon. Um it's, that's part of what we're doing in the article is just kind of a for fun thing, you know, NHL ETAs. Um, and I think even for Scott Morrow, I was like a long time. <laughs> That's what I put. At. I was like, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be a while before the hurricanes get much of a return, but again, with how deep their pool is and some of those, you know, top guys that we have at the top of our list are starting to push up. The hurricanes can afford to do that right now. But anyway, like we said, we'll uh, get more into that, the draft class next week. Um, we got lots more to talk about there, but there's more pressing news in Carolina Hurricanes country right now. Um, man, I, I don't even know what the best way to dig into this is going to be, so we'll just jump right into it, I guess. But the Hurricanes have signed Tony D'Angelo to a one-year, $1 million contract. Um, we mentioned that Matt is sick. Now, we didn't ask him for specifics. I'm not sure if he's actually sick or if he's just sick of the hurricane shit. Um, <laughs> that, would, that would be totally acceptable at this point. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm pretty sure he's actually sick. But uh, it's it's been tough the last few days, man. And, and it would be really, really hard for me to just turn my back on the Hurricanes. This is a comment that mo- both of us have made quite a few times, I think. Um, Jake Vertanen might have done it. Uh, if you yeah. add D'Angelo and Vertanen at the same time, it's just like at this point you very, very obviously – don't give a shit about your fans. Don't give a shit about the culture you're trying trying to create here. All that stuff. And, and I understand the angst with D'Angelo. Like, I just, I man, I, I just, I cannot for the life of me understand how it's seemingly the entire organization from top to bottom as it's kind of been uh, portrayed. It's it, from how it sounds that everybody checked out on this, including Rod Brindamore, uh, right. even a, apparently including the players. Um yeah. And I, I just, I cannot for the life of me understand. Um, it, it's just, it really makes you question if the culture is actually what the Hurricanes have made us as fans to believe it is. Because, I mean, 
I'm, I'm not sure how you can take a fan base that's been through what we've been through, um, you know, stuck around as long through the dark times, uh, through the last decade of this team being absolute garbage um, and not giving us anything to be excited about. And finally, when it looks like the Hurricanes um, are, are finally turning a corner, get new ownership, they get a new GM, they, they turn around what was a failing franchise um, and embrace being this fun team. Justin Williams brought the spark back uh, from the fan base. Uh, they really embrace being this fun team with the storm surge and uh, the whole league buys in. The Hurricanes are really blowing up around the league. But you know what? I, Don Cherry may have been right. These guys are absolute <laughs> jerks for signing Tony D'Angelo. I, I don't know how you can do that to your fan base and, and just completely turn your back on, on all the on all the fans that have supported this team through thick and thin. And my God, I, you bring in last week, you just drafted two persons of color in Bryce Montgomery and Robert Orr. And the, the first thing you're going to do as an organization after that, the first move you're going to make is bring in a known racist player who, who used racial slurs on his teammates back in junior. It's not like this is something that's fresh. It's this has been happening since he's been in the NHL frame dating back eight years. And now you bring in Ethan bear, who's an indigenous player and, you know, welcome to the team. Here's your new, here's who we're going to put beside you in the locker room. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Brian Suzuki. And it's just today you signed Jalen Chatfield. who's yep. another, like, it's just, I, I, I can't believe it really has me at a loss of words. And I mean, my God, like you really turn on your entire culture. You turn on your entire fan base for what to bring in a player that who knows, you know, we don't even know if this guy's good at hockey anymore because his last team gave him a two-year deal. He played six games and they ousted him because they said, you are not worth the headache. You know what I mean? It's just, and it does not matter what Tony D'Angelo does. I don't care if he wins the Norris. I don't care if he leads the league in points. I will not cheer for one goal he scores. I will not support this player. And I will not stop talking about this until he is gone from this team. Because this is just, it's an... It's a disgrace to this great fan base. It's honestly a disgrace. Yeah. It's tough, man. Like, I I don't understand what – what's the upside here? Because the Hurricanes aren't as good right now as they were last year. Without Dougie Hamilton, like, their depth, I don't – I guess it's pretty similar. I mean, if you bank on Svechnikov having a huge year – and nature's taking another step. I, I guess it's possible, but you also can't at the same time bank on stall replicating the same year as last year, or even Trocek probably, or Niederreiter. Like there's a lot of players that had very, very, you know, top end of what you can expect out of them seasons last year. And it's very, very hard to expect that to be replicated. So I just don't understand what the upside is. Cause like, You'd have to think they sit in that room and they kind of say winning, you know, cures all kind of thing. And just from what I've seen on Twitter, I think it's pretty obvious that that's not exactly the case. Like, I'm proud of this fan base's reaction to this and just showing, like, this isn't the kind of shit we're going to stand for here. Like, this is a slap in the face to everything we've tried to create in this organization. And... I just don't think D'Angelo is that good of a player anyway. Like, sure, he's going to put up points, but he's going to get shit on defensively. We've seen that. <laughs> there's a there's a picture of him getting dangled out of his skates in the Hurricanes' like offices. Is this deal like a precursor for them bringing in Tarasenko? 
I don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up over the Hurricanes actually doing something big like that because they've been linked to a number of players and nothing's happened. And, and just as a whole, like even if you look beyond D'Angelo, this has been a pretty disappointing offseason. They lowballed Dougie Hamilton. You couldn't match that offer he was getting from Detroit or uh, New Jersey, excuse me. Um, but who says if you at least gave him a competitive offer, even if it wasn't as much as New Jersey, he wouldn't have signed here. $6.2 million, that's kind of a slap in the face. You know what? Um, yeah, I, I agree. And we're at the we're at the stage of this now where it, it doesn't matter who the Hurricanes bring in. Like, it, it just – it doesn't matter what they do because at this point, there's already such a bad taste in everybody's mouth from yeah. the, this loyal fan base of how they could bring in a known cancer like Tony D'Angelo and try and sell that guy to this group as someone who has changed. And you know what? Big shout out to Sarah Sivian for, for the article she wrote yesterday in The Athletic. Uh, if, if you guys have not read that, I would 100% out of uh, like 10 out of 10 recommend go read that because it was just just immaculately put together um, and really questioned and called out all the all the thought process behind what the hell it is the Hurricanes were doing here. And you know what? She's Sarah's really been on the point uh, and on the ball of trying to to, to get some answers from the Hurricanes front office of, you know, what made you, what, what made you guys assume that Tony D'Angelo has changed it all, or he's molded into a better player that's worthy of this 18th chance that he's about to get. Um, and, and nobody had a clear answer. There's, there's a video on Twitter of Don Waddell about, he stumbles through his, his answer for a good minute. Uh, I still have no idea what he said. I watched it really hard video to watch three, three times watch. on end. And I have no clue what he was trying to say. It's just, it's so clear that this group just does not care. Um, they just want to win a hockey game. And, and at this point, they will literally do and go to any extent to do that. And it's a player that, like you said, the upside isn't even there to take this kind of a risk, which yeah. I don't care what kind of a player it is. I don't care if this is Sidney Crosby, um, Connor McDavid, but if he has the exact same track record as Tony D'Angelo does, I would be just as pissed, but for it to be a guy like Tony D'Angelo, who has obviously made absolutely zero change to what he's been doing since he came into the league. And since before he came into the league, it's just, it's absolutely egregious. It's a huge misstep by the hurricanes. And they're, now they're always going to be remembered as the only team that would touch this guy. Yeah. And, and I know I kind of started to ramble a little bit, but this kind of where I was trying to go with this. It's like, the worst case scenario, I think we all know what it is. Like the hurricanes are bad. He's a locker room cancer. He causes issues. And like everybody's just sitting here like I told you so. What are you doing? But like that's almost the best case scenario. But what but that's the see, and that's the flip side. And and I, I kind of retweeted something along these lines earlier from Ben Swain. And he's one of my favorite Twitter followers, and not just because he's a Duke guy that's also a big Canes fan, but he's just he's really funny and he, he's just a smart guy and it was well thought well thought out well put together thread but he said like i don't even know what the best and worst case scenario is here because the best case scenario i guess is that he acclimates into your culture and you kind of use him as an example that this culture is really strong but at the same time like that this isn't the guy you even want to give a second chance to like yeah. I, I, I don't know it's so complicated like do we want a person like this to get better? Yes. It's, it's very torn feelings, kind of, I think. And I, I don't know 
what the best outcome here is. I, I guess it's that the Hurricanes are good and D'Angelo proves he has changed. I don't know. Like, it's, hard, it's hard to even answer. I truly think this is a situation where there's no outcome that the fans are going to be happy with, including myself. I don't like, I just, if, if the team sucks, I'll be pissed because we had a great group last year and you blow that up. You convert to this, mind you, aside from Tony D'Angelo, I'm actually very happy with what they did yesterday, but we'll get into that um, coming up here. But if you're bad, it's everybody is going to point to one thing, one reason that you're bad. It doesn't matter what the actual reason is, but that, that will be the reason that everyone points to. Well, hell, cons- <laughs> conspiracy yeah. theory, the Hurricanes signed D'Angelo because they knew they weren't going to be as good and they wanted something to point to. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's I'll accept that. But then on the flip side, if they're good, I'm still not cheering for Tony D'Angelo. I, I do not, not want to see Tony D'Angelo embrace, and I don't want to see him fitting in with a, a great culture and, you know um, – all these, all these guys here that have really been great teammates, been great citizens, great role models, and now you're going to bring a guy like like that into this group who we've all become, you know, so emotionally emotionally attached to over the past few years um, with the adversity they've overcome and you know everything that they've done to really reignite the passion of this fan base. And you're going to turn around now and bring in a guy like that. And this fan base now is already super divided. It, it there's a big divide. It's from yeah. people canceling their season tickets and completely, completely cutting off the Hurricanes, like dropping their fandom, want nothing to do with this team anymore. And I cannot blame a single one of those people. Yeah. I, that's not going to be me because I have too much invested emotionally in this team to do that. But if you drop the Hurricanes, cold turkey, I cannot blame you one bit. And then you've got the guys like me and you who we've been here since – I mean, I'm from Ottawa, man. I watched the Sens have great teams through the, the the last 10, 15 years with guys like Spezza and Alfredson and the great runs they've gone on. And I've stuck loyal to these Hurricanes the, the, through the entire thing, through all of it, with these crappy teams that we've been subjected to. And guys like us, that just the passion we have for this group and for the love we have for this team. It's part and of who I am, man. Like I grew up with the junior man. hurricanes. Like all my childhood, I watched games with my family and wore that Jersey on myself, like traveling all over the U S like all my best memories, like even though it's the junior hurricanes and they're not really affiliated with the actual hurricanes. It, it's still, it's part of me. Like, right. It is. Right. So you've got us who no fans can blame either because we're just sticking to what, has been good to us uh, throughout our lives. And then you've got the complete opposite side of it, where there's a side of the, like there's a portion of this fan base that's trying to make the best out of this. And you know, that are the people that believe in giving a second chance. Mind you, I'm very open to giving a second chance, but this isn't a second chance. This isn't a fifth chance. It's barely a 10th chance. Like we know what this player is. And I also, I'm not going to sit here and, say to, to that side of the fan base that's trying to make the most of this, that, hey, you know, you're out of line. I'm not going to do that either because everyone can cope with this how they want to. All I'm saying is I just absolutely hate the move from every single level of it. Um, I cannot blame anybody what they're going to do and how they're going to react to this move. Um, I, I don't think any fan should either. You know, everyone has the right to react to this to the way, the way they want, the way they feel they should. Um, but, you know, as we've stressed, it's just – it's just a completely mind-boggling move, and and there's going to be serious repercussions for the Hurricanes. Yeah, and and I think part of me is so trained. Like I've just been so passionate about so many sports and not just hockey for so long that I like 
I'm not that surprised. And, and I know the Hurricanes like kind of gave off this vibe as like being different and having this certain culture. And Rod Brindamore's quoted as saying, we're going to bring in a certain type of player and he can score 30 goals, but it doesn't matter if he's not, you know, all that shit. When it comes down to it, the things that matter to these billionaires and millionaires is winning and money. And they think those two things go hand in hand. And, and, and if they think Tony D'Angelo is going to help this team win games, and maybe it's going to cause a short-term financial problem. And, and again, that's why the Hurricanes fans are smart for doing what they're doing and canceling their season tickets. But, you know, anyway, um, at the end of the day, it comes down to wins. And we've seen it in other sports all the time with, God, the NFL is notorious for giving people that beat women and God knows what else second chances. And it's always ugly and it always seems to go away after a while. And hockey culture, I mean, this has just been an issue for so long. Like this is just this is just what it is. Like homophobia, racism. I I grew up in hockey locker rooms. I, I don't know. It's 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 an inherent problem at its core for hockey. And and yeah, I, I, I think we should move on because, you know what, um, I don't want to spend another second talking about Tony D'Angelo. Listen, <laughs> like, the Hurricanes, they did a lot of good things yesterday, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm firmly on the side of if they didn't sign Tony D'Angelo yesterday, I, I think it would have been a very good day for the franchise, even with losing Dougie Hamilton. You know, congratulations to him going to New Jersey and securing that long-term deal, big money. Um, you know, with that kind of a deal, it's – Pretty obvious he wasn't going to get it in Carolina, so good luck to him there. Um, but you know what? Like I, I think, I, I think this group um, is at a stage where, even if they might not look quite as good, maybe on paper as they did as last year, um, I think there's a, a lot of a lot of high upside in a lot of the moves they did. Um, you know, right off the bat, um, what do you think of the Warren Fogle for Ethan Bear trade one for one? Well, that's the best move the Hurricanes have made so far. I mean, that, that's just my opinion. Ethan Bear has some legitimate upside. And he Edmonton fans kind of turned on him just because that defense as a whole was terrible. Um, but Bear himself has some really good moments. He's got offensive ability. He's not bad defensively. The analytics like him, even with all those things I just mentioned, with the bad defense around him and just not really ideal situations to be successful, um, he still put up good numbers. And I think, especially here, playing alongside probably the most stable uh, defensive partner he's ever had, whether that's Brady Shea, Ian Cole even, or Jacob Slavin, which we've talked about, which is entirely plausible. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the Hurricanes mix and match their defense with the guys they brought in. But I think Ethan Bear has a lot of upside, and uh, that's going to end up being a very, very sneaky, shrewd move by the Hurricanes. Yeah, uh, I, I mean – I had a lot of Oilers fans reach out to me on Twitter yesterday and say, you know, you guys are really going to like this kid. Uh, we hate to see him go. Just yeah. a great kid. Um, and, you know, really grew on the fan base for his overall steady play. Um, he makes a lot of like the the very, the like maybe the more unnoticeable kind of plays where, you know, he makes smart plays in his defensive zone where he makes just smart, sneaky outlet passes and he's not going to force it one way. He'll, if he's, if he's being pressured from one side, he'll turn around and reverse it and try and take it out the other way. And he'll skate the puck out of his own zone. If he has to, he'll try and skate out of trouble. Uh, so he doesn't, he's not a reckless player at all. And 
a guy like that in the Hurricanes' system is going to go a very long way because, you know, the Hurricanes have been very adamant that they want their defensemen to play free-flowing and jump up in the rush, and they, they have the freedom to pinch when they want to, you know, for better or worse for some guys. Like, for guys like Joel Edmondson and Yanni Hockenpah, like, that was a disaster. But for a guy like Ethan Berry, who's a very smart player, a uh, high hockey sense, and thrives off playing that way, I think he's going to come into the Hurricanes' group here. Um, as you mentioned, probably playing beside a guy like maybe Jacob Slavin or Brady Shea, um, which he should be in the top four. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of room for growth here. And this is still a young player. I think he's only 24 years old. He hasn't really totally hit his prime yet. Um, there's definitely a lot of upside there. And like I said, I love the move, um, especially for a guy like Warren Fogle. You know, obviously he was a pretty good hurricane. Um, kind of just, I think he just plateaued here. Um, he just kind of maxed out what he was going to be in this group. And, you know, it's good for him to go to Edmonton too. He'll have a fresh start there. Maybe he gets a bigger role. I'm not I'm not convinced he's going to produce more than he did here. He just doesn't have it in him. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good trade, I guess, for both sides because Edmonton was going in a different direction with their defense and they add, you know, a capable middle six winger. But on the <laughs> flip side of that, the Hurricanes really add a defenseman with kind of untapped upside. We don't really know totally what this guy can be yet and a guy that could really break out and flourish in their system. I hope there's a 30 for 30 someday on next year's Edmonton Oilers defense. Oh my um, God. <laughs> we won't get into that too much, but good grief. Anyway, uh, <laughs> then, you know, that was one of a flurry of moves. Um, you know, we mentioned Dougie leaving, which obviously sucks really, really bad. Um, Josh Levo, uh, that's a good bottom six forward and he was cheap. Um, He's going to provide a lot of what McGinn provided and maybe a touch more offense. I've seen a lot of people say with more offense and I'm like, maybe on a actual conversion rate, but like McGinn created a pretty good amount of offense. He just never finished it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> um, and then today, you know, right before we got on actually, uh, Brendan Smith also was signed as a depth defenseman. Um, pretty good seventh forward and he, if you ever want to go 7d that's a guy that can slot on your forward ranks as we've seen him do with the rangers multiple times over the last couple of years um and, and smith's kind of just like a rugged guy um he's the one that stepped up and fought tom wilson in the uh you know that big after wilson kind of body slammed yeah yeah was it Buknevich? or no it's panarin it was panarin. panarin yeah my bad my bad so, yeah, I mean, he's just a guy that will step up and do a lot of the dirty work for you and won't hurt you. So that's that's a pretty good seventh defenseman ad right there. Yeah, I mean, you'll never question his guts, right? Um, right. He's definitely a guy that can kind of fill the mold of what the Hurricanes lacked in the postseason last year, and so does Ian Cole. Sure. I think Ian Cole yeah. is going to be a massive upgrade um, over what they expected they were getting from Andy Hawkenpaw. Absolutely. And, you know, I would even put Joel Edmondson um, in that category as well because right. Ian Cole – He's been around. He's a veteran. He's, He's been cups. on cup-winning teams. Yep, yep. exactly. He's a key guy. His penalty-killing metrics weren't as good as I thought they were. But, you know, Minnesota as a whole, I think they overachieved a little, I'm going to be honest. Um, but he was still a big part of what they did last year. And I think coming into to a situation where he's going to be, you know, a, a pretty good staple on your third pair, he's not going to play top four minutes for you. He's going to have a very clearly defined role. Uh, I, I think he's a big upgrade over what you thought you were getting last year. Um, and, you know, basically a perfect fit for what the Hurricanes want in that third pair role. Um, mind you, I would love to see him playing with Jake Gardner because I think that's a tandem that would have some serious upside. But looks like Jake Gardner could be done here. 
don't really know what's going to happen. The Hurricanes have eight defensemen, right? Um, we Unfortunately, we have to consider Tony D'Angelo as part of this group. So we have eight defensemen now. And, you know, with Jake Gardner's uh, injury history, with the uncertainty around his back and with, you know, the thought of surgery that, that came up earlier in the offseason, it's just uh, I'm not sure we're going to see Jake Gardner again. So, yeah, I, I think – I think regardless of who Ian Cole plays with, uh, he's going to be a very stabilizing presence for his partner. Yeah. Um, I, I like Cole a lot as well. I uh, think he's good. But I mean, just like you said, he's going to be a good stabilizing veteran presence on the bottom pairing. Um, looking ahead, I still really think the Hurricanes need to get another forward. And, and maybe that's just me, but and that's again, I mentioned earlier that they were in on Tarasenko reportedly. That's kind of risky just because he carries a big cap hit and maybe St. Louis can eat a little bit of that. But, uh, and, and, and Hey, the upside on that is tremendous. Like you bring in a guy yeah. like that to play alongside, like say Aho and Terravine and Holy crap. Um, that's, that's, that's a lethal line right there. But even if they don't, you know, end up making that trade, I just still feel like we went into this offseason saying they need to upgrade this forward core, and they haven't done that. Yeah, no, not at all. There, there's, you know, losing Brock begin right off the bat. That's that's a that's a big blow to the culture. I mean, this Absolutely. guy this guy embodied what it was to be a, a Carolina Hurricane, right? I mean, the fans loved him for a reason. Total heart and soul guy. Along with Stahl, he was just like the best representation of a Rod Brindamore player this team had. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when Rod Brindamore calls you the toughest kid he's seen, I mean, yeah. you know this guy is absolutely tough as nails. Um, but you know he goes to he goes to Pittsburgh with a four year deal, almost three million per year. I I can understand why the Hurricanes didn't match it. I wish they would have, um, but I can understand why they didn't. So you know, congratulations to him, and he's gonna fit in great there. Um, I, I wish him the absolute best, even though he's playing for Pittsburgh. I mean, I will always cheer for Brock McGinn. Absolutely. He made a lifetime panel to me. Um, right. Yeah. So you take him out of your forward group and breaking down the, the list of their, their kind of their depth chart. Um, I, I think right now the biggest thing, they, they still have a hole in their middle six. Um, if you see Nino Niederreiter as a second line forward, then you have a hole on your third line. And if you prefer to slot Nino down on the third line with probably Jordan Stalin, yes, for Foss, then you're going to need another top six winger. Um, you know, obviously Tarasenko is the uh, kind of the, the prime catch. He's a big name guy, right? And would probably make the biggest impact realistically if he can get if back to what he was, obviously. Yeah, if, okay. if he can get back to what he was. And they have the money to bring him in. And they have the assets to do it as well. But absolutely, if, at this point, I think if they go the free agent route, Thomas Sitar is a guy I really like. I kind of made a joke um, on Twitter that, you know, he, he kind of disappears in the playoffs uh, every year. So his offense dries up. So, you know, he'll fit right in. Um, but I, I, I think he's a guy that uh, could really help out the top, the top six group. Even if you have him on your third line, he's a guy that can provide some offense plan the power play for you. Um, but there's, there's definitely some options out there they can explore. Yeah, but they're going off the board quick, man. I mean, Saad signed in St. Louis today, which obviously created a lot of speculation that Tarasenko is on the way out. But and it was a very reasonable deal, too. It, that's that's what I said. Was the Hurricanes absolutely could have made a play for Saad at four and a half and still signed Spetsnikov pretty yeah, easily. He, I but, mean, five five years with the way he plays is maybe a little steep, but I mean, yeah, come on, he's it's and that, the full no move clause. Yeah, it's a, it's a good price for what he brings, though. I would have really liked that. Yeah. Um, one one thing that kind of went over people's heads a little yesterday, um, you know, understandably, uh, with the with the obvious news that came out, but 
one thing Ian Cole is going to bring as well, um, he's really going to help stabilize a penalty kill unit that I've been saying last year, they only trusted three defensemen on that group. They yeah. only trusted Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci, and, and uh, Brady Shea. Yeah. And, and the rest of the, the rest of the D, you know, Jake Bean even got in there at a few points. Yeah. Flurry was kind of in and out. Bean wasn't terrible in the kiddle. But, By the way, congratulations to him on getting $2.3 million for some reason. God. Yeah, and, you know, Doug, they tried Dougie <laughs> Hamilton there too. And yeah. He had the worst results of the bunch. Yeah. Hawk and Paw never so, – so I, I think Ian Cole is really going to solidify this penalty kill now where they're going to have four – four defensemen that they feel capable to rotate in and out. Um, and, you know, if one of your defense does get uh, in penalty trouble, because, I mean, last year, if, if Jacob Slavin or – well, he never goes to the box. You know, last <laughs> year, Brady Shea ended up in the box. Uh, you were in big trouble with how you were yeah. deploying your lines. Now you've got, you know, Ethan Bear can step in and kill penalties. And if Brendan Smith is in the lineup, he can jump in there and do the same thing. So I think their penalty kill, even with the loss of Brock McGinn, who I consider one of the best penalty-killing forwards in hockey – um, I think they have enough up front with guys like Jordan Stahl, obviously, and Martin coming back um, that they can kind of weather that loss and that that unit could actually stand to improve next year. Yeah, and I think we're going to continue to see an implementation of just skill forwards on that unit. You know, we saw it a lot yeah. last year already with Ajo and Natchez, and Tara Vinen obviously is an elite, elite penalty killer himself. So they're, they're not going to be short on capable penalty killing forwards. Um, I, you, one other thing we actually glossed over completely – we haven't talked about the goalie situation whatsoever. Yeah, we're going to get to that. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I just thought that was funny. I, I was kind of thinking, I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, we don't that's... have that much left to talk about. And then I was like, oh, well, the Hurricanes have an entirely new goalie tandem now. Um, but, yeah, I, I do want to dig into this a little bit, obviously. Yeah. Uh, on a basic level, I think – I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure what I saw was signing Mrazek and Nadelkovich – to the deals they got was like 6.8 million yeah. and the hurricanes the guys are we got 6. were 6.5. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on a basic level, the hurricanes saved 300 K. All right. Do you think this tandem is better than Mirazik and Delkovich? You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's very easy to say no, just, you know, just from an emotional standpoint and from, I guess a statistical standpoint, it's very easy just to say no and dismiss it. But as you said, they saved three hundred thousand dollars, so they they were not doing this um, as a means to save money. They weren't doing this because they were being cheap. They did this. Uh, they brought in Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta because they consider this a legitimate improvement over what they had last year. Um, whether it is or not remains to be seen. Um, I really like Antti Ranta. I'll start off the bat with that. Um, obviously, he's got some pretty big health concerns. Um, he, he hasn't really been able to stay healthy consistently in Arizona, but when he played, he's been nothing short of phenomenal. He's got 919 career save percentage. Um, he's been the backbone um, of a really bad Coyotes team for the past three, four years. Him and Darcy, oh, Darcy Kemper are the Kemper. reason that those, that that team was even, you know, remotely, re- remotely decent um, and could even, you know, compete in games. They were probably yeah. like maybe the best tandem in the NHL, if we're going to be totally honest. Um, definitely top awesome. three. Very we honest. Like Vegas. Um, Vegas is a. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> th- th- this was one of the best tandems in the league. Uh, yeah. So you bring yeah. in one of those guys. I, I know fans kind of wanted Kemper, but with the package that Colorado got, gave up to, to get him, um, I'm kind of happy with Ranta. If they re-sign him, that's that's not that bad of a package in my it, opinion. Yeah, it, it's it's not, but 
Next year's draft is really are we, good. Are so, we and, sure and the Hurricanes much... are going to would have resigned them? Like, right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't right. have confidence in them resigning anybody at this point. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly so, you know, what I said on Twitter. It's <laughs> you, like you, you yeah. lock up your tandem now for the next two years. Ranta has very, very legit upside uh, if he can stay healthy. I think he could actually uh, emerge as the one A option here and run away with the majority of the starts. Uh, but on the flip side of that, I, I just think Frederick Anderson had kind of. He kind of, it's, it was just at the point where it was like he just needed to get out of Toronto. Yeah, just change of scenery. Be, yeah, he just needed to be pulled out of that environment. And he's not that old. I think he's 30 or 31. But my biggest concern with him is the amount of mileage they put on him, uh, you know, with with, with how, how much they've really rode him and, and relied on him uh, throughout the last three, four seasons. Like, I just, I'm worried they may have burnt him out. Yeah. Um, but he's, I think he's a big bounce back candidate, especially behind a stronger defense than, right. than he had in Toronto. Um, you know, with the guys defending in front of him, uh, the Hurricanes definitely don't give up as many quality chances. So I, I think it's a risk, especially at 4.5 million. Like I, I really need to see it um, before I can really give um, a, like a good grade on that signing. But I, I see the upside there. Um, I see the, I see why they would be interested in a guy like that because, you know, when he was healthy and, was dialed in just even before last season. Um, he was arguably like a top 10 goalie in the league. Uh, he, he had a really good stretch of, of hockey for the, for the Leafs um, and really made them a, a good force uh, with solid goaltending in their net. Um, so to wait and see, um, I, I do think this tandem could have higher upside than what we had. Obviously that's a little hard to sell to the fans, but um, I, I'm, I'm not worried about our goaltending right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a risk, though. Like, that's just kind of where I am on it. And it, it, it's not like Nadelkovic and Mraz. It wouldn't have been if you're trying to go with Nadelkovic as your one because it's a 29-game sample, all the things we've talked about before. But that's, that's a risky tandem to throw it on because of all the reasons you said about Anderson and with Rance's injury history. Like, what if Anderson doesn't bounce back? And what if Rance is hurt when you want to try to go to him? We playing back warm, McAnemy. It's gonna be rough. <laughs> Dylan Wells. Dylan Wells. Yeah, yeah. Dylan Wells. I don't know. Like in in an ideal world, um, I probably would have wanted to team up Peter Morozik or maybe even a Jonathan Bernier, um, with Andy Ranta. Uh, I, I just think little more safer because we know what Morozik was capable of with the Hurricanes. He had three good years here, uh, even though he was injured for the majority of this past season. We never had to worry when we had Morozik in net. Um, and, you know, Jonathan Bernier, I'd really warmed up to the idea of him signing. So I was actually kind of a little bummed out when he left. Got a little more money than I expected him to, so I can kind of understand why negotiations broke down. But you, you at the end of the day, you ended up giving more to Frederick Anderson than both of those guys got. And He's got just as many question marks around him. Mind you, he might have higher upside, but it's just as much of a risk. All right, guys. Well, that's about all we've got for right now. Um, You know, free agency has just started, so the Hurricanes probably aren't done yet. We've talked about them probably needing another forward, and, um, you know, reports are they've been in on some guys, so maybe they do aim high here. Like I said, next week, we're going to have a lot more draft stuff for you guys. Matt should be back, and we do have a special guest scheduled. Hopefully nothing changes between now and then, and I'm not a liar. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You know, normally this would be the part where I edited Matt's little 
exit phrase, but I'm not really sure I'm going to do that. So, um, bye. <laughs>